millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello, football folk, and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport, the ultimate Premier League preview that looks at all 10 of the upcoming fixtures. It's more packed than a hairdresser's appointment book. Coming up, Bakayo Saka on his first Premier League goal as Arsenal look to go for two wins against teams in the top half of the table, back-to-back. Also this week, Frank's Littlands take on the big boys from Palace as Chelsea look to ensure they don't bow to Roy's right royal entertainers. Yeah, you thought theatre goers had it bad. The Eagles haven't swooped for 337 minutes. Talking of theatre land, only Soho saw more shots knocked back than Manchester City at the weekend, but how didn't they score? Plus, we'll explore Sheffield United versus Wolves and Manchester United's upsurge, all on the podcast that will deliver more points in 48 minutes than Norwich will all season. And we'll pick our best players. It's the Game Day Preview Podcast from TalkSport. This is game day. To Parker. Um, <laughs> hello to Matt Holland and Alex Crook. How are you? Sam, yeah, very well indeed. Uh, yeah, pretty good. Yourself? Yes, good, good, good. I went to the barbers yesterday to uh, rescue um, the a DIY lockdown haircut that I inflicted on myself last week. What? Why, Sam? Why couldn't you wait one more week? Because <sighs> it was getting so long. I was, I was looking like... Uh, I, I don't know. It was just—it it was making my head look so massive at the back. It looked like I had two brains. Uh, What's so, happened to your sideburns, though? I mean, your 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 hair now is literally socially distancing from your ears. <laughs> As someone who's is severely in need of a trim, I think that you should concentrate on your own appearance rather than worry about mine. Oh yeah, um, but I had a choice: either go and queue for the barbers or go and get a nice cold pint of beer, and I did the latter. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think anyone was debating which one you would have chosen. Um, okay, so it's been a, a good week. You did. Uh, you both were at Chelsea versus Watford. We'll get to uh, Chelsea in just a second. Loads of things to look at over the course of the next uh, hour. So let's start with our first big game preview. Here on the left-hand side is uh, Tierney into the area. Saka with a volley. Lovely oh, turn. What a great finish that is. Well, we're going to face the top teams in the next uh, two weeks and uh, we just try to get prepared as well as we can. We know how important these games are going to come. Borny slipped the defender and passes in. Vardy with a tap-in! Jamie Vardy! 100 Premier League goals! It's another milestone moment for Leicester City's main man! Stay focused on the job, go back to your basics, work very, very hard and then that will bring back your confidence and then from that you gives you a better chance to succeed. Now, without going over old ground, Jamie Vardy's 100 and 101st goals went in at the weekend. Well, that 
getting the record off of his back be a weight off his shoulder, Matt? And, and could that be an issue for the Arsenal team, who once tried to sign him, of course? Yeah, absolutely it will. It's like a cricketer stuck in the 90s, desperately trying to get that last run for his century. And I think Vardy's been in exactly the same boat. Um, he, he, uh, nice little tap in for it as well. So that got him up and running. The confidence and, and the difference in when he went in and scored his 101st, you know, you never fa- you never fancied him to miss the little dink over the goalkeeper mm-hmm. for, for the second one. Um, but that little bit of confidence just makes such a difference. What a record, really. You know, coming into the Premier League so late, and, and doing it as quickly as he has done. Uh, the change of system, I think, helped as well. He got a little bit of support, didn't he, with Nacho alongside him uh, up top and Perez just behind as well. So I think that helped. But yeah, getting getting that 100th goal will definitely help. Um, Arsenal rarely lose at home to Leicester City. Uh, I was scrolling through earlier to try and find the last time that it happened and I got to the 70s and, and, and sort of gave up. But over the course of the last couple of seasons at home, Leicester have managed to dispatch Arsenal. They did it earlier in the season. What sort of trouble do you think they will give Arsenal? Because I saw Arsenal at the uh, the weekend. I thought they did well against Wolves. Excellent shape. They worked well. Good changes from Arteta at the right times. They bought on Maitland-Niles to block up the channel and stop Adama Traore's foraging down the right-hand side. What do you think will happen? I'm still not convinced we can say Leicester are back on the back of one win against the Crystal Palace side, who, from what I saw in their game against Burnley last week, already on the beach. So I, I think this is a much bigger test. I think a weight has been lifted that Vardy's finally got the 100th goal. And when he plays well, Leicester play well. It does beg the question, actually, what are they going to do to replace him? Because he's 34 in January, and we've seen, haven't we, that when he doesn't score, they do struggle for goals from elsewhere. Madison was okay at the start of the season, but that's dried up. So I think we'll make more of a judgment on exactly where Leicester are at after this game. I think it's going to be a really good contest, actually. Arsenal couldn't be coming into it in in more confident mood. Something really seems to have clicked for them. I was speaking to Emmy Martinez, their goalkeeper. We're going to hear from him in the podcast later in the week. And, and he was saying that in Mikel Arteta, they've got the perfect man for Arsenal. So clearly the players are behind him. He's going to put his faith in youngsters. Saka's got his new contract, scored an absolute terrific goal. And I think he's he's one for the future. So yeah, I can see goals in this game. It wouldn't surprise me actually if we, if we saw a high scoring draw. But I think Leicester are acutely aware they need to keep picking up points. I spoke to Ozo Perez and he told me they're desperate to get their Champions League qualification secure before the last day of the season. What they don't want is a shootout with Manchester United in that last match. I haven't made my debut in the Champions League. It's something you, you dream for always. So it could mean uh, a lot the way we, we've done it. For Leicester, it could mean uh, a lot. It could be like a final, you know. We'll see, we'll see. Uh, you never know. Football is not predictable at all. And we still got a couple of uh, tough games to play. Hopefully by then we we are already qualified. But as I said, it's a couple of tough tests uh, still to, to play. And obviously we need to think about the next one and, and try to get the, 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 the result for yeah, that might be difficult, mightn't it? Because of the fixtures that, that they've got upcoming. They switched to a back three against Crystal Palace, Matt. Um, will they do that again to try and contain Arsenal? 
Yeah, they might because Arsenal played with a back three in recent games as well. So you might try and match them up in that respect. Um, obviously, a slightly different way of playing it, you know, with Perez in behind two up top, whereas Arsenal play a front three. So it, it's a slightly different way of playing it. But I, I would imagine it would probably go the same way because they were successful against Crystal Palace and, and because they got the three points and also because Arsenal play a back three as well. And it will be to see. I, I agree with Crookie actually on this one. I think it could be a high scoring draw. It, it's, the top four is so interesting and, mm. and who plays first and who plays second who plays the, you know if someone gets a win they're looking around and thinking right the pressure's on us now to get three points uh, Chelsea actually play before them uh, don't they before this game as well so they'll know what Chelsea bit have of pressure, done maybe. so it might have put a bit of pressure on them and then obviously United play I think the day after um, or, or a couple of days after so yeah it, it's, it's all about the order of who plays when and the pressure then on having to get three points but I think this one might be a draw as well uh, 1973 September 1973 the last time that uh, Arsenal were beaten at home by Leicester it, City even, even before I was born even before I know you, you were t- born I know you two are a little bit younger than me. A little bit. Uh, that was that was well, quite a bit. That was <laughs> <laughs> that was before I was born. Ah. Um, I, I spoke to Bukayu Saka, who was <laughs> born in the, the end of the nineties. In fact, actually, that's not even true. He was born in two thousand and two. Uh, stop it! Stop it! You were playing in a World Cup during that year. Uh, was. <laughs> after he scored his first Premier League goal and he signed his new contract this week, uh, I spoke to him on the touchline at uh, Molyneux after that game. This is what he said you know it's, it's a great feeling you know but it's not really that great feeling that I've had this week is signing my contracts and being at the club that I love you know so I'm just so happy today that we could get the win that was the most important thing yeah tying yourself down uh, to a long-term contract scoring your first Premier League goal and getting three points today it's been the perfect seven days hasn't it <sighs> yeah it's been the perfect seven days but you know we can't get too carried away. You know we have we have so many games. You have a game on Tuesday to focus on, and much more important games going forward. So we just need to keep taking each game by game and keeping our, our feet on the ground. What do you think was the key ingredient to the success today? Oh, it was definitely our grit, fight, determination. You know you could see when we came out in the second half, it was so difficult. They changed their formation, and we had problems, but. Everyone fought together as a team, you know, we fought so hard and the subs that came in, they fought so hard and everyone was just together. So I feel like that's what got us over the line. This is a young group, isn't it, with a clutch of uh, players coming through. Will Arsenal have to realise, though, Matt, that if you are going to use young players and you're going to bring a lot of them through at the same time, I know coaches absolutely hate this accusation, you will have ups and downs. I mean, look, you speak to any of the coaches that are involved in teams that have got a lot of young players that are in the first team and they'll say, why is it that young players are allowed to be less consistent than older players? What, Where does that come from? And that's a good point, but history tells you that that is more often than not the case. Yeah, I think yeah, I think they'll have to be patient. You know, it has been a great week for Arsenal there's no doubt in it with the new contracts for Saka and Martinelli into the FA Cup semi-final and going well in the Premier League as well but there will be ups and downs some of their more senior players have been inconsistent as well let's get that right you know David Luiz Mustafi um, Xhaka whoever it might be they've been inconsistent as well but um, yeah there will be there will be ups and downs with this Arsenal team you know, I don't expect Mikel Arteta to have too much money to spend in the summer I'm not anticipating that they're going to be you know, necessarily challenging even for the top four again next season. Um, but certainly this last week has, has been a much better one for them. And I, and I think under Arteta, they're just starting to grasp exactly what he wants. Yeah. 
And that's something that will take time as well. But they have got some good young players, some good young talent. Uh, you know, Martinelli and Saka, I think, are the two that's, that stand out to me. Um, but it will be, there will be ups and downs, I'm sure of that. Crook, could you, uh, your light is really bad on your camera. Could you try and lighten things up? I can't see behind you. I'm just, I'm just trying to see if I can see Meza Ertzel anywhere. <laughs> no, no, you haven't got him. I just wondered, I just wondered where he was. Well, um, that, hair, that hair looks a little bit like Gwen Doozy. <laughs> what crook is <laughs> yeah get to the barbers crook it should be a cracking game shouldn't it uh, Leicester have some injury worries over Chilwell and Madison Arteta is forming his core group though uh, both are desperate for victories a low ball across the face of goal and Ayu is there to slide in the second a brilliant Crystal Palace goal survived yet again and, and, and got a reasonable place in the league quite simply because we defend so well and don't let many goals in if we want to do better or even maintain that level we're going to have to find goals from somewhere Pulisic for Chelsea gets to the edge of the D trying to outpace Tarkovsky gets the shot away and Christian Pulisic puts Chelsea ahead we are you know, up there point behind Leicester two ahead of Manchester United when you think of the quality of the teams around us we, you know, we just need to focus on ourselves now and run it Crystal Palace versus Chelsea is live on midweek game day Chelsea just behind Leicester thanks to a thumping win over Watford but as good as they were when you two watched them for TalkSport at the weekend how much of that performance was down to Watford and how much of it down to Chelsea Matt? I was disappointed with Watford's performance. I thought after watching Chelsea against West Ham, they would offer more of a threat going the other way. And yet they were happy just to sit back and be defensive and say, go on then, break us down. Mm. You know, they they struggled to get bodies around Troy Deeney and forward um, when they won the ball back. Uh, But what I'd say is that, you know, Chelsea played really well against the team that did sit in. They found space. As I said, Ross Barkley, you know, got in little gaps in between the back four and the midfield. Pulisic was my man of the match. I thought he was outstanding. Willie on the other side has been in good form as well. I thought Mason Mount played well in midfield, but it bodes well for a Chelsea team playing against teams that are going to sit in yeah. because Crystal Palace I'm will gonna, do. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen Crystal Palace enough times this season to suggest that their first thought is contain. Let's not be beaten. Let's be really solid at the back. When we get the chance to go forward, great. But they haven't really carried much of a threat going the other way. And I've been disappointed with Zaha. They're struggling to get the best out of him. So I, I would anticipate this being a fairly comfortable win for Chelsea. They haven't scored since the 23rd minute of their first game of Project Restart down at Bournemouth. That's 337 minutes without a goal. I mean, it's an outstanding amount of time. Talk about not offering too much of a threat. They aren't, they aren't the entertainers, are they? But Chelsea do have an issue with set pieces. The fourth worst record for conceding at set pieces in the entire Premier League, Crook. Could it be a problem for them against a huge Crystal Palace team? I know Frank's talked about that. I think they were better in that regard on Saturday. Not that Watford put them under too much pressure, but there was a stat about Kurt Zuma had won 86% of his aerial duels. Obviously, Frank shuffled his back line. I did think they looked more solid, but... You mentioned Pulisic there. I've got some stats here comparing his first 20 games in a Chelsea shirt and Eddie Hazard's first 20 games in a Chelsea shirt. And it's pretty impressive. 15 starts for Pulisic to 18 for Hazard. Played pretty much the same number of minutes. He scored three more goals, Pulisic, than Hazard managed in his first 20 games. Uh, Two assists for Pulisic, six for Hazard. So I, I think he's a really exciting talent. I spoke to Frank Lampard after the game and said... Why is he playing so much better since lockdown? He said he's just fit. 
He's had time to work on his fitness. So I think next season, Chelsea fans should be really excited about what's to come from Christian Pulisic. He, the way he glides past players, he, he's comfortable on, on both feet. He's got pace, he's good crossing accuracy. I, I think he's a real talent. You don't win anything, though, as Liverpool have shown, despite your attacking prowess, unless you've got a good defence. Now, Declan Rice has been touted as a possible defensive target for Chelsea. Chelsea fan as a kid, trained with them for seven years. Can you see that being a solution to Chelsea's defensive problems, Matt, or part of the solution? Yeah, it's something that Frank Lampard will look at. Uh, I think there's a number of positions. I'm not, I, I said it in commentary, I've not been a massive fan of Kepper since he's arrived at the club. Uh, obviously, Alonso, when he plays at left back, he's, well, he's not a left back, he's a left wing back. Yeah, exactly. Not, if they play a back three, then Alonso's perfect for that position. But if they play a back four, then he doesn't suit the system. Um, Reese James is going to be very good at, at right back. Tamori, I've been impressed with when he's had the opportunity. He hasn't played since January, though, Matt, has he really? Well, no, and he's only just coming back from injury now. So he, he, whether he, he throws him straight back in or not, I don't know. But Declan Rice would be a massively, you know, massive addition, really, for, for Frank Lampard. Goalkeeper, centre half, and a left back. They have to take a hit on the goalkeeper. They played £71.6 million for him. I heard that they had been advised by a stats company not to do that and then did it. He's got to go because they can't win anything with him in the team. This is just fact. And that's not being rude to him. He's probably a, a really nice guy. He's very good at keeping uh, pigeons and birds and stuff like that. Fantastic at that. But not great at commanding a penalty area. Um, he's very good at keeping pigeons and birds. He's a pigeon fan, yeah. <laughs> did you not know that? Talk about damning someone with fan praise. <laughs> I'm just trying to pick out the positives. Sam, your hair is very good on top. Maybe not quite so good on the sides. <laughs> ah, a win for Chelsea will put pressure on Leicester going into their game, uh, which is a, a, just a half an hour afterwards. Both of them alive on top. It would put the cat amongst the pigeons, wouldn't it? Kepa would know more about that. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. 
T's and C's apply. Aston Villa against Manchester United is an 8.15 kickoff on Thursday. Aston Villa won clean sheet in 2020, uh, winless in nine, but there were signs of life against the champions Liverpool. What worries can they give Manchester United, Crookie? Uh, none, <laughs> in all honesty. Um, I think Liverpool well, You would have said the same thing against uh, Bournemouth and then they scored twice and there was a bit of a wobble going on. Conceded five and could have conceded ten, but for Aaron Ramsdale, that was never really in doubt. Um, I think Liverpool were a bit flat at the weekend. They've won the title. It's going to be hard to maintain the same levels of commitment and enthusiasm having done that. Villa had their chances, actually, but story of their season, they, they couldn't take them. Um, and, and the trouble is, Jack Grealish has been their only ray of light. Opposition teams have now worked out a way to stop him. I, I saw the Graham Sooners comments about him being the most foul player in the Premier League. I thought Sooners was a bit harsh, actually, saying that suggests he keeps hold of the ball for too long. What it suggests is that opposition managers double up on him because they know if they keep Grealish out of the game, then, then Villa have got nothing else. And that will be this, the, the case again against Manchester United. They have improved defensively since the restart. They've stopped conceding so many sloppy goals, but I just can't see where their next win's coming from. And, and United are like a steam train at the moment, an express train that just can't be stopped in their tracks. And my favourite stat from the weekend, it was Matt who told me, I think, actually, so I'm going to nick this one, Matt. United's attacking trio of Rashford, Martial and Greenwood have scored more goals this season than Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino mm. and Mohamed Salah put together. That is some achievement when you think Liverpool have won the league by 20-odd points. So, there's no way that Villa are going to be able to keep them at bay. Absolutely no chance. It, it, it is a cracking stat. It just shows you how good Manchester United can be, can be going forward. And what they've developed over the course of the season is the ability to unlock teams that sit a little deeper because their problem at the start of the season was they were a counter-attacking team well, and they only seem to get points in that in that sort of vein. But they've, they've got much better at that and that's coaching. Well, coaching, but also Pogba and Fernandes. So you've got a supply line. You've got a supply line for midfield who are creating chances. And just on that with those front three for United, because Rashford's been out for a period. Martial's been out for a period and Greenwood hasn't started that many games as well. So it does go to show how good they can be. And it it also goes some way to justifying Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's decision to let Romelu Lukaku go. You know, I, I thought it was a no-brainer, me, because Lukaku, he's, his touch wasn't good enough, I don't think, to play in that position. Uh, he slowed things down, I thought, for United at times. Now, I'm not saying Lukaku's a bad player. He's a different type of striker, not fitting their system. To- exactly that. Totally different type of striker. Um, and you've got to play to his strengths. Well, United weren't ever going to play to those strengths. So, for me, those front three, I think, have done brilliantly. Greenwood, I'm a huge fan of. Absolutely huge fan of. The way he gets his shots away so quickly, it makes it so difficult for, for goalkeepers. Over the course of his career, he will score more than Rashford and Martial will. Is Greenwood now better than Rashford was at the same age when he first burst onto the scene, in your opinion? Well, again, I think slightly different. You know, Rashford, I think, that relies a bit more on his pace. Greenwood's quick feet inside the box and his eye for goal, it's just outstanding, honestly. Over the course of his career, he will score more than the other two. He hits the ball so hard as well, doesn't he? I mean, that's been a feature of listening to his coaches. I think we had an interview on game day uh, on the programme with Reshman on Saturday and there was a, a, a kids coach talking about when he was uh, in the under-11s or something and one of the dads would go in goal or, and it was like, all right, <laughs> what, what is he putting it, through that? <laughs> it's well, that's, what, 
Shearer, Shearer said he's he's he was similar. He said he's he's very similar to the way that Shearer did it. Shift it quickly, get his shot away quickly and hard. Yeah. And that's what Greenwood does. Um, fixtures are tough for uh, Aston Villa, aren't they? But they do have, I think, Palace and West Ham games that they can target. Are there enough winnable fixtures? Because it feels to me like there's basically Bournemouth, Watford and Aston Villa and two it, of them will survive. One of them is going to go and it depends on who wins one of those massive games that are upcoming. They've all got tough matches. Spot on, spot on. It's it's two from three. I think West Ham. I looked at their fixtures. I think they'll be they'll fine. Be right. yeah. They will be fine. So it is for me. Villa, Watford, and Bournemouth for two spots. And who, like I said, who's going to get the three points? And, and will someone surprise someone? You know, Bournemouth historically have been able to surprise one of the bigger teams. But they might. But they might beat Tottenham later in the week, might not they? Yeah, yeah, yeah that they is could a possibility. do. We'll yeah, get, they we'll could come do. to that in just a minute. Um, a three-year deal for Nemanja Matic. Crook, you happy about that? Yeah. Uh, because as we mentioned on the pod last week, he is a, a player I think's improved under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I know you said the talent was always there, and, and you well, saw the talent's that at always Chelsea. there. He's won yeah. loads of stuff with Chelsea. He's just had a pre-season, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, and and he's integral now because we've talked about the, the attacking talents they've got at their disposal. He is the, the the one midfielder who is happy just to sit in front of the defence, break up the play, but he can spray a pass as well as we saw at Brighton last week with that fantastic breakaway goal. So. I think it's great that he's committed to the cause and it seems a really happy camp at the moment, doesn't it? The United players are playing with a smile on their face. Hasn't always been the case and you've got to give Ole Gunnar Solskjaer credit for for the atmosphere that he's managed to garnish. Sheffield United against Wolves is live on TalkSport 2 on Wednesday at 6 o'clock. This is another big game in that race for the Champions League places. Wolves lost at the weekend. I spoke to Nuno Espirito Santo afterwards and he said the game hinged on Adama Traore missing the chance to equalise because he believed that as soon as that happened, Wolves started to chase the game, therefore left themselves more open at the back to Arsenal going further ahead, which they did right at the end of that game. Um, They didn't create too much going forward and Sheffield United certainly aren't going to give them the opportunity to do that. No, they didn't create a lot for lot. One shot on target that came after seventeen seconds through Adama Traore. So that yeah. tells you it how, wasn't really. How... It wasn't really going to be sort of a penetrative one, was it? I mean, it was just a sort of quick breakaway, and then all of a sudden Martinez yeah. was there. Well, it just goes to show how well Arsenal did against them. Yeah, um, and and you know, Wolves just shifted it slightly, didn't they, to Traore going up front with with Jimenez, and it didn't quite work um, that combination. So, um, yeah, they didn't they didn't create an awful lot. I think it's another tough game for them. I think you know, Sheffield United are pretty good defensively as well and hard to break down. And I think this could be a this could be a low scoring draw. Uh, I, I think you know Sheffield United have got a tough running, but there's a bit of fight about them. And uh, I think this could be a low scoring draw in my eyes. Yeah, and they did well uh, to fight back at the weekend against Burnley after going one 0 behind and play and played well enough in that game as well. I Absolutely. thought you know, they, they created enough chances to, to, to deserve at least the draw. Um, They're just goal scoring was, is a problem for them, isn't it? Huge, absolutely. I mean, it's been their biggest problem all season. Um, and that's, again, something that Chris Wilder might look at, even though he did sign a couple of strikers in the summer. Yeah, I, and I spoke to him last week and he said the, the problem is is that we haven't got the money to go out and spend the 50, 60 million that I need to probably take us from where we are to the next stage. Crook, you want to just talk quickly about that? No, just about Wolves, actually. Um, they've had a, a, a brilliant season, but it's going to be interesting to see how they, they bounce back from this setback now because even just that one defeat probably means it is too much now for them to to get into the top four when you look at the teams they're competing against and maybe you mentioned there that they didn't create too much perhaps looked a little bit weary they've got one of the smallest squads in terms of 
number of players they've used this season. The games are coming thick and fast. So possibly it's, it's finally caught up with them. It, it was inevitable. I don't think that they looked weary at all, actually. I thought they just couldn't break down the Arsenal defence. I thought Arsenal did a brilliant job. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, when he came on, was nothing short of terrific. I thought that David <laughs> David Luiz Mustafi um, and Kolasinac... I mean, you would not put that defence together if you were building a dream team, uh, but they they kept close enough together and were well protected enough by Ceballos and Xhaka that there wasn't there wasn't really too many holes for for Wolves to exploit. And and the fact that they started with Jota on the bench, I think ultimately was a mistake because I think Traore makes more of an impact when he comes off the bench and attacks tired defences. That's just a personal point of view, and I think maybe that sort of was borne out by what we saw on Saturday. Right. Let's move on. Okay, let's whip round three Premier League games while showing our expertise as Matt Holland, former Republic of Ireland international World Cup quarterfinalist, and Alex Crook, South Coast journalist, TalkSport commentator extraordinaire, and I jump on a bit of roulette rivalry. Producer Lucy will give us each one of the week's games to preview against the clock. Lucy, what have you got for us this week? Um, is no one going to address, first of all, that Alex cheated last week? Did he? Well, he did. You're right. And I'm pleased. I that don't you, know if I, I cheated. Pleased, did I? I'm pleased that you brought this up. He re-recorded his uh, 45 seconds, didn't he? After we'd all gone. Oh, rubbish. That's terrible. No, no. Only because we recorded the podcast before Tottenham played Sheffield United. And then, obviously, they were oh, right. really poor. Got hammered in that game. It changed the context, didn't it, oh, right. of, of the preview. Okay, I, I think I did Burnley-Sheffield United for my one. And Sheffield United hadn't played either. But I think I, I, think I still managed to do it. Thanks, Luce. <laughs> <laughs> so, Luce, what should we do this week? Okay, so, Sam, you're going to go first. Oh, good. And I'm going to give you Everton v Southampton. And your time starts. Why? Now. Everton, Southampton. Uh, is a Thursday night game, I think, six o'clock. And I thought Southampton were incredibly impressive in their game against Manchester City. It was a really good football match between two teams that were working really hard. And I thought Ralph Hasenhut, or you could hear him on the touchline, cajoling his team, organising his team, all, all who were working for the calls. That hasn't always been the case down at Southampton. They've got goals in the team with Danny Ings. Che Adams obviously scored what was probably one of the goals of, uh, well, will be the goal of the month. It was fantastic. But he talked afterwards about preying on the goalkeepers, goalkeepers that try to play out from the back and putting them under pressure. Did that yesterday or in the game against Manchester uh, City. I'm sure he can do that against Jordan Pickford. Everton won their game. Oh. I didn't even get to get on to Everton, did I? I mean, that's poor from me, really, because I focused no, too much on Southampton. you did South that Everton. last week as well. I just because you spent, excited. You spent 10 seconds telling us when the game was kicking off. Oh, look, listen, re-re- listen, re-record. Worry about your own performance. <laughs> right, Matt, you're next. Yeah. I know this is your first one, but don't be afraid because as you've just seen, they ain't that great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's confidence in your employees. Ready? This is Brighton v Liverpool. Go. Okay, so Brighton against Liverpool. It's a game that I'm looking forward to because I'm going to it. Um, and, and Brighton have been pretty impressive, actually, uh, since the restart. They've got themselves into a position now where they're going to be safe. Uh, they look pretty good defensively. Uh, Mope has looked lively up top for them. Um, Liverpool have been a bit flat, actually, you know, since the restart. But they've got records in sight. Um, and they would love, I'm sure, to get to that uh, 101 point mark, which would 
overtake uh, Man City's record. Um, it will be interesting actually to see what Klopp does in terms of rotation. He's bound to give one or two a bit of a rest, but he'll, he'd still, like to say, want to get to that 101 point mark. I fancy Liverpool to probably just about edge it, um, and Brighton will be oh. safe. So Crook gets to do uh, Manchester City versus Newcastle, and I see him furiously prepping for the last two minutes because he knew that. No, that was I wasn't. Coming. I was trying to find out what the game was, but I um, I can't find your running order. <laughs> <laughs> now, just remember, you're not re-recording this one. All right. Okay. <laughs> he said that so subserviently. <laughs> Ready. Go. Newcastle against Manchester City, a fixture that City have had a few problems in, in in recent seasons, actually, surprisingly. Do I see an upset here? Not based on what we saw from the two teams in the FA Cup, but Manchester City really wasteful in front of goal in the game I was at against Southampton at the weekend. I do wonder if Gabriel Jesus is the answer when Sergio Aguero is not fit. I definitely don't think they'll win the Champions League with Gabriel Jesus as their main striker. City don't often lose back-to-back matches, though, under Pep Guardiola, so perhaps we will see a bit of a wounded animal. And he did say after the game that if they're going to really have a good go in the Champions League and FA Cup, they need to find some momentum in the Premier League. That could be bad news for Steve Bruce's side, who played out a really entertaining draw against West Ham at the weekend. They're comfortable in mid-table. Ah, interesting. Okay. Well, Manchester City against Newcastle is live on Wednesday from six o'clock and it's on Talk Sport. Watford remain deep in relegation turmoil. It's another defeat for Nigel Pearson and for the Hornets. Full time at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea three, Watford nil. We've got to work and do everything that we can to keep our future in our own hands. Here is Cantwell from distance, shooting oh. long and hard and low past Romero from 25 yards out. The development of, of many young players and also of the club, it's, it's important to feel this pain and to feel this disappointment. But there goes the full-time whistle. Norwich City's life in the Premier League continues to ebb away. Okay, let's move on to the relegation picture with three big games. Watford against Norwich. It's Tuesday, 6 o'clock. West Ham versus Burnley, 6 o'clock on Wednesday. And on Thursday night, it's Bournemouth against Spurs. Let's start with Watford against Norwich. Um, These are basically the two worst teams on form in the league right now, aren't they, Matt? Yeah, they are. Um, I think Norwich are, are dead and buried. We probably thought that anyway before um, project restart. This is a massive opportunity for Watford. Um, after such a horrible start to the season, it was a win at Norwich that was their first, I think, Premier League win of the season. Absolutely. Uh, that was Delafeu and Andre Gray, wasn't it? Yeah, you mentioned Delafeu. I think he's been a massive loss for them. You know, I, I like Saar on that right-hand side. He, he offers a bit of X-factor, um, but Delafeu does the same on the other side, and I think they've missed that from him. But this is an absolute must-win, and I think they probably will just about get the job done. It'd be a nervy affair, but I, th- I think that Watford will come through this and get three points. How do we feel about Norwich City and Daniel Farker? A lot of people are starting to raise more than one eyebrow about his team selections and the fact that his team appear to have not given up because I don't think that's a really fair sort of accusation to the players. But the fact that he he puts out sides which engage, they they weren't that far behind, were they? And yeah, Project Restart is one of those odd experiences that probably never will, hopefully, touch wood, ever happen again. You've got nine games in a very short period of time. I would hazard a guess that anything could happen and 
has happened, actually. You know, some odd results have already occurred. It wasn't beyond the realms of possibility that Norwich could have stayed in the Premier League. It was an outside bet. It was unrealistic. But I don't think he's helped them. We all certainly expected them to make a better fight of it. I think Matt, when he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, was saying they had the kind of fixture list. And they definitely did. If you look at the teams they've played so far... um, Obviously, Brighton, who, who don't win away very often and, and, and came to be tight and invite Norwich onto them. Norwich just didn't really lay a glove on them. Everton as well. Not Pookie the best. on the bench. Cantwell on the bench. I mean, yeah. that's... Like, I mean... I mean, I know there's not a paying public to come in and 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 lay their cash down for a seat, but I feel like they were the, the supporters were cheated a little bit. You, you can sort of understand the Pookie decision because the goals have dried up. Having said that, he is their only outlet in terms of putting the ball in the back of the net. So, if you're in desperate need of points, they are. You have to play him. But I mean, the other games they, that they they played as well, Southampton could have been there for the taking. Everton don't travel brilliantly, so I think they'll be really disappointed with the points return at the moment. They are going down with a whimper and I was speaking to Alex Tetty yesterday and I said look if you can keep this group of young players together you, would you back yourselves to come back up and while he said we have got some talented young players he, he did cover that and so there's no guarantees you know when we went down last time it, it didn't happen overnight and I guess the question you have to ask Matt on what we've seen this season and actually on what we saw before last season is Daniel Farker the right man to get them back at the first time of asking? Well, and also whether or not he's got the support of the supporters, because up until probably three weeks ago, uh, Daniel Farker, any criticism of Daniel Farker was shot down very quickly by Norwich fans. I'm not sure that's the case anymore, Matt. Do you know, do you know I, I think some of his decisions have been questionable, certainly since the restart as well. You mentioned Pookie and Campbell on the bench, and I know he's got to, he's got to rotate at times, but I think they played 120 minutes in the, in the FA Cup, and yet he... he rested five of them for the previous for the previous league game which didn't make any sense to me whatsoever and then you've got I know Norwich fans unhappy that, that some of the decisions you know Dermich playing up top rather than say Ida Vrancic isn't getting a look in, in well, that's, that, that's the other thing if you're going to put Joseph Dermich up up top who's released more records than he has scored Premier League goals if, if you're going to put him up ahead of Ida in this situation you're basically saying I don't fancy winning the game and I don't trust in the youth. And that sends the wrong message to everybody around the club. Well, it's not that he doesn't trust in youth because we've seen this season, you know, Max Aaron's play, Jamal Lewis play. There's been enough young or, players. Or they don't trust Camp, Adam Eder. Camp well. Camp well. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is, but there's, you know, obviously he's, that's his decision. Daniel Farker's decision, but he, you ultimately live and die by those decisions and, and they're going to die because they're going to go down. And next next season, is you know, the summer's going to be interesting as to who gets handpicked as well from Premier League clubs because well, will any of them well they will yeah they will Campwell will I'm, I'm, I'm sure that Campwell that will, will but um, you, there's not going to be a massive rush to try and buy these players Stuart Pearce was talking about this the other week he was saying that these guys aren't good enough they're, they're down the bottom for a reason there's not going to be someone who comes along and says I'll have Campwell Godfrey Aaron's Lewis that, it's, not going to, it's not going to go like that is it no, I, I appreciate they're not all going to go. And, and as a club, you wouldn't want to sell all of them either. You know, if, you, if you're a club that goes down and then, you know, you haven't spent any money, you go down and then sell all your best young players. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So ultimately, they're not all going to go. Out of them all, Campwell, I think, is the most likely to, to, to come back to the Premier League. OK, um, let's move on to West Ham against Burnley. Um, David Moyes came up with the great quote uh, after the Newcastle game we can't score three goals every time to win a football match. 
and ultimately that is an issue isn't it um, I mentioned it in the commentary on Wednesday night when we were at the London Stadium they let in far too many goals they still score goals not for fun but they score enough goals to, to, to be out of trouble but ultimately they've got to, to find a way of shutting the back door and at the moment they don't seem to be able to do that They've also squandered 24 points um, from winning positions this season. If they'd have taken half of those, they'd be looking towards the Europa League instead of anxiously over their shoulders. I was speaking to a West Ham fan this morning. I said, you're safe now because the teams below you aren't going to get enough points. He he thinks they still need four or five more points. How was was the moose? (laughs) It wasn't him, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) But I don't think they're in any danger of going down because the teams below them aren't capable of putting the run together. But I think if looking on to next season, when presumably David Moyes would hope to be challenging in the top half rather than down in the bottom five or six, they, they do need to find a way to hold on to Leeds. They do need to tighten up defensively. How good was Antonio again at, at the weekend, by the way? I mean, he's been one of the heroes since the, the football season well, he is resumed. a hero and he's been playing out of position really because he's not a central striker and he's been pushed into that role because of the injuries to Allaire and the absence of any other alternative and you know I spoke to David last Wednesday night and he was full of praise for not only the work rate but also the the, 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 the vision that he's got you know he created that goal for Yarmolenko which won them the game against Chelsea and obviously he scored against Newcastle Jared Bowen I think has also been very good for them he created that goal and also had another great chance which was stopped by Dubravka in that in that match they have the craft to open teams up but they were sloppy again from a set piece which caused them an issue they conceded 87 seconds after going in front so you know ultimately you can't score two goals away from home and expect to come away with all three points and that's something they've got to sort out but you mentioned David Moyes having the opportunity to rebuild I've listened to a lot of West Ham fans prior to the last two results who were not particularly enamoured with David Moyes, not particularly enamoured by a lot of things that are going on at the club. But will David Moyes be there at the start of next season, Matt, do you think? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a, that is a great question. I think I think West Ham will stay up comfortably. So they'll be in the Premier League and whether he's given that opportunity to kick on next year, I mean, he's, he's talking heavily about having to change the makeup of the squad, mm. trying to make it a younger squad, a hungrier squad, people who are willing to fight for the badge, people who are willing to learn. And, and you know, in Bowen, and I'm glad you mentioned him, I, I think they've got a player there who's who's got a bit of it, all of that. You know, he's someone who, who is, is going to get better. Uh, Suchek and Rice, I think, have been good in, in midfield. Goals isn't, aren't a problem for West Ham. You know, they, they've got enough going forward. Um, Declan Rice is an interesting one. Again, what will happen with him in the summer? And, and I love what David Moyes said he's his best defender and his best midfielder. It's about getting, you know, where, where's it best to play him, though? That's that is the question. Where's it best for West Ham to play him? Well, he might only have six games left, so he might not yeah. worry about that for much longer. No, but he, he, he can worry about it for these next six games and make sure that they do stay in the Premier League. But like I say, I, th- I think they will. But in answer to your question, I'm not certain that David Moyes will be at West Ham next year. Bournemouth against Spurs is six o'clock on Thursday night. Will Eddie Howe still be at the helm of Bournemouth? <sighs> next season that's a, a big question to Ooh. ask isn't it let's ask the South Coast expert I don't think you consider the overarching achievements of taking Bournemouth from the bottom of the entire league to mid-table in the Premier League for a long time and sustaining that and I don't like the fact that we're very keen to almost tear down somebody who is only 42 years of age 
has done a hell of a lot of work for one football club and been a relative success. And I feel, I do feel like everyone's a bit excited about the fact, oh, Eddie Howe's going to foul. That's great well, news. I, I was there when they drew nil-nil at home to Dagenham and Redbridge in League Two on a Tuesday night, having just been relegated to the bottom tier. Dagenham celebrated like they won the FA Cup. So I know exactly how far Bournemouth have come. And I know that without Eddie Howe, there would be no Premier League football. Okay, so I'm taking nothing away from him. He's done a terrific job. You ask, will he be there next season? Yes, if he wants to be, would be my answer because he shouldn't be sacked even if they go down. He's earned the right to try and rebuild and bring them back up. Whether he thinks he's the right man to do that, I think is something that he's going to have to do and do a bit of soul-searching come to the end of the season and work out why it's gone wrong. What I said to you was, and I'll repeat it, I don't think the fact he's done such a terrific job makes him immune from criticism. It doesn't I make him immune are... from criticism, but I don't like people taking glee. I'm not saying you're taking glee in it, but I do feel like everybody gets very happy about the fact that, that, that someone is failing. It's like, he's not the only one, by the way. I, I think people no. enjoy it when, when other young British managers fail or, or don't l- deliver what they're expected to deliver. I mean, even someone like Dean Smith, he, he's got a team up to the, the, the Premier League and they're going to get relegated. Even a bit Chris Wilder, he's got a team up from League One Championship and towards the top end of the uh, of the Premier League and then all of a sudden they lose a couple of games and everyone goes, well, you know, you know, they haven't really got the guile to go on and kick on from there. I just think maybe we should just look back and go, hold on a second, we've got some bright young managers here. If Eddie steps away from Bournemouth, he could come again. He's got a long career. Ahead. He should have a long career ahead of him. I hope he doesn't decide after this experience to go. I can't. I don't fancy it anymore. I'm going to do something else. I don't think he'll do that because I think he's got a steely determination. That's been one of the trademarks of, of his time in, in in the managerial hot seat. But I think what's coming home to roost now, and and, and this was the, the basis of our conversation, is the poor recruitment. Yes, they've had a terrible run with injuries this season. Of course they have. But all that's done is expose the fact that some of the players they spent big money on are not good enough to play in the Premier League. Exhibit A, Dominic Solanke. Mm. Um, exhibit B, Jordan I, who left the club even before the end of the regular season or was tra- training with the under-23s. They paid £15 million for him. Even Jefferson Lerner in midfield, I'm not convinced, is, is value for money because he gets booked too often and he gives away too many cheap goals. So for every Nathan Ake, there is a Dominic Solanke. And the other thing, Matt, that didn't sit well with me, Steve Cook came out, the captain, he's wearing the armband in the absence of Simon Francis, after they were hammered at home by Newcastle, and said it was an embarrassment. We played like kids. And Eddie Howe wasn't happy with those comments, and he made a point of raising it in his press conference. I think Steve Cook, as someone who has been on the journey, one of the senior pros, has earned the right to come out and say what everybody who watched that game was thinking. And I just think it's another example where sometimes Eddie Howe is a bit too power hungry and maybe that's causing problems in the dressing room. Where would you sit, Matt, if you were Steve Cook and and the manager had come out and panned you for having the gumption to criticise your own teammates? I think when Steve Cook was asked those questions, emotions were running high. And sometimes when when you're doing an interview post-match and frustrations boil over, you say some things that perhaps you you look back on and think, maybe I could have worded that a little bit better. Uh, What he said, you know, no one's disagreeing with, but perhaps it should have been kept within the dressing room. You know, players get frustrated with managers when they go out and say things that perhaps should stay in the dressing room as well. Um, so I can understand Eddie being displeased with it. Um, but at the same time, you're right. I mean, Steve Cook, you know, captain and been there a long time and been a great servant for them. 
maybe he had the right to say it, but I think he, he might look back and think, I could have worded that a little bit different. On Eddie Howe, everyone has good and bad seasons. Managers have good and bad seasons. Players have good and bad seasons. It doesn't make you a, a bad manager. And I agree with you, injuries have played a massive part this season for Bournemouth. Defence has never been a, a big strength of theirs, but they always, they've always carried a threat going the other way. That has been diminished this season. And that's been his, his biggest problem, that, that, that they haven't scored as many goals uh, uh, and created enough at the other end of the pitch. Because defence, I think they always give you a chance the way that Eddie Howe wants to play. It's not little old Bournemouth either. We should, we should say that, you know, it's not little old Bournemouth. I know it's a small ground and it's a small crowd, but they do pay good wages and they've paid out good money on recruitment. So I think that the recruitment hasn't been quite good enough. Um, Eddie, you asked at the very top, would he still be in charge next season? If he wants to be in charge, like like Alex said, he will be in charge. And he has earned the right to, to bring them back um, if they go down. There was always going to be a transition season, wasn't there? Because you can't rely on the players that took you from the bottom to the top. They're getting older. They're not as able to play as many games in quick succession as maybe they were. Obviously, you've had the other issue of other players coming in. They're earning a little bit more than some of those players. That obviously changes the dynamic of the dressing room too. Everyone talks about the recruitment, but he has signed uh, Ramsdale, everybody likes. He has made a massive profit on Tyro Mings. I just think that you in a situation now where you never know. It, it's at home. There is an opportunity. There could be there could be a surprise in the offing, and if that happens, <laughs> then we could be in a completely different situation by the time we reconvene. Uh, well, they won this week. game last year, didn't they? They beat Tottenham last year um, when Tottenham had two players sent off. The, the issue they've got is the reason they looked a bit better against Manchester United is is because United, with the way they set up, allowed them to attack them. Jose will have watched that game, and he's the master at sitting deep and frustrating teams. I, I think you'll see quite a defence-minded Tottenham performance and, and Bournemouth might struggle with that. Mm, I'm not sure that Tottenham have got the defence to be able to do that, to be honest, but we never know. We should see on Thursday night from six o'clock. Game day wouldn't be the same without a bit of fantasy football interest. Here's Dream Team's Andrew Butler to provide us with some cheat codes to grab you some extra points for your team this week. Hello, how are you? Yes, very well, thanks. Sam, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, is there anyone you want to apologise to this week? Sometimes you come on the podcast and say that you uh, want to apologise to a team for, uh, uh, I, I don't know, abusing them the week before. or Usually usually it's your mum's team, actually, that you, uh, you apologise <laughs> no, for. No, no apologies. Um, Not even your West Ham? No, no. Did dump everything to do with West Ham? They only got a draw. Um, the only person that I would say, I mean, I'm going to double down. I said a couple of weeks ago about my big bet being Jamie Vardy. He didn't oh, yeah. score last weekend, but he did. Um, you know, score twice, Great. twice this weekend. So you two know. goals in ten games, fantastic. Um, right, okay. So let's move on to your tips for this week. Butler's banker. What have you got for us? This one is a, this the banker of all bankers yes. um, for this season because I'm going to go for Kevin De Bruyne. Um, he's in mm. at 5.9 million, 228 points. But the only reason why I wanted to mention him is that he's the current top scorer in Dream Team this season with 228 points but there's a really interesting fight for this season's top scorer in the game this season Mm. De Bruyne's on 228 Mane and Salah pleasingly both have 226 Uh and Raheem Sterling's got 225 so there's only three points separating the top four which is a a much tighter race than than the Premier League was So, So anybody who's sitting at home thinking this Premier League lark it's all over 
I mean, you know, if you weren't satisfied enough by the race for the top four, if you weren't satisfied enough by the jeopardy of relegation, the biggest fight of all is between those four players to be top of the dream team point scoring charts. What an honour that could be. Uh, Butler's Beauty, who have you got for us this week? Yeah, uh, we heard from him already in the programme, but Bakayo Saka, I think it's just worth um, mentioning him again, especially from a dream team point of view. He's in the game at 2.5 million. He's scored 98 points. Obviously, a brilliant goal against Wolves, and he's mm. made that attacking position his own since the restart. Uh, you know, I think at the start of the season, people were thinking he was going to be left back coming through. How would he fare with Tierney there? But and now he's turns out he's one of the most you know promising left wingers that, that we've got in the game. Great to see the smile on his face after the game. You could see how much it meant to him signing the new contract last last week, as well as getting the goal. And um, yeah, just thought he looks fantastic and if he carries on scoring the way that he's been scoring points in Dream Team um, yeah worth a shout Butler's big bet this week is also the uh, sort of almost the, the rebirth of a player yeah or the fourth or the fifth or the sixth rebirth of, of this particular <laughs> player Ross Barkley has um, had so many full storms that I was surprised when you know, I gave him a cursory look he's only 26 um, which is I think still sort of young in in a way he's one of the most enigmatic players around i think um like i said we're we're into another rebirth of ross barkley but in dream team there's these certain players that we like to kind of describe as feast or famine you're going to get nothing or you're going to get a lot with him and in the last seven game weeks his scores have been 13 12 0 0 13 zero and then scored 15 against watford at the weekend incredibly enigmatic like i said but Worth a a shout, and that's why I've put him in my big bet. Um, Let's uh, also get a a view from our commentary team at the weekend who saw him play uh, Feast, Crook and Famine. Uh, Matt Holland, what did you think (laughs) of uh, um, Ross Barkley? Well, I I actually was really impressed with him. Um, Watford were very deep, uh, very compact, and it was very congested, but he still managed to find space. And he was on the half turn. He was looking to play forward. I think Ross Barkley's been a bit caught in what he is, really. Is he a number eight? Is he a number 10? Where does he want to play? I think now we're seeing him box-to-box midfielder, really. Yeah. He's brought a bit of defensive work to his game as well. First came to my attention long, long time back, uh, playing for Sheffield Wednesday at Portman Road. Scored two goals. I thought, wow, this kid can play. And all right, he hasn't kicked on as much as I might have expected. But I'll tell you what, there's a real player there. And Frank Lampard's talked about it, consistency. I think that's been key with Ross Barkley. But he's added a little bit of everything to his game and I think he's become a rounded number eight. I just wonder if the fact that Chelsea have already flexed their muscles in the transfer market has, has given... Barkley, the proverbial kick up the backside because they're not going to hang around this summer. They've shown that there are players there who are going to have to fight for the shirt, whereas this season, perhaps that hasn't always been the case. It seems to have sharpened his mind. And yeah, I thought he was excellent against Watford. And again, you have to give Frank Lampard credit. We spoke a lot about coaching on this program. I think he's a player that has visibly improved since Lampard came in. So fair play. Okay, Butler's block tackle. Who is out of the door this week? Who can we not even contemplate including? This is a good one because you, you asked me um, if I've got any apologies uh, you do to any so players. Yourself, yeah. And this, I've got no apologies for mentioning him last week and I'm going to double down. Lloyd Kelly, 
I mean, poor bloke, because Bournemouth uh, are looking completely bereft now. And it's I said last week fault. it was a, a fight between him and Tim Closer to see who'd finish bottom of the pile um, in Dream Team this season. Unfortunately for Kelly, Bournemouth then conceded five against Man United, so it's left him on minus nine for the season. Poor bloke. Uh, well, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Cheers. That's Andrew Butler with your Dream Team tips. And you can follow uh, Dream Team at Dream Team FC on Twitter. Uh, another cracking show. The Ultimate Preview is back on Friday when Crook and I will be joined by Darren Lewis. Please rate and review and tell all your friends to download it too. And don't forget, there's live commentaries Tuesday and Wednesday night on TalkSport from the Premier League and the EFL Championship as well. I don't know about you. I just don't want it to end. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 